Well, again, good morning and welcome to Battleground this morning. I invite you to take your take your Bibles and open it to this famous passage that, that we have read many times over many Easter's gone by. And, and as you turn to Luke 24, uh, let me say again, ha- Happy Easter. We have gathered here. You notice that the, the background looks a little bit different. We are actually worshiping outside today, or this morning, for Easter. And so we recorded this a little bit early just so you could hear and enjoy the service along with us. And so let's look at God's Word together. Luke chapter 24, I'm going to be reading verses 1 to 12. But on the first day of the week, at early dawn, they went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared. And they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they went in, they did not find the body of our Lord Jesus. While they were perplexed about this, behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel. And as they were frightened and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and on the third day rise. And they remembered his words. And returning from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. Now it was Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary the mother of James and the other women with them who told these things to the apostles. But these words seemed to them an idle tale, and that they did not believe them. But Peter rose and ran to the tomb, and stooping and looking in, he saw the linen clothes by themselves. And he went home marveling at what had happened. Let's pray together. Lord, as we have gathered here on this Easter Sunday morning to celebrate as your people have celebrated since that great resurrection day, Lord, that your son is risen. He is not only risen, he has ascended and he sits at your right hand and one day he is coming to get us. And so, Lord, we ask you to not only forgive our sins now as we come to your word, but to show us how we must live in light of this amazing truth. Lord, Some of our lives do not feel like victory right now. And so I pray that you would comfort us and renew us and help us to see the great hope that is ours because your son is alive. And so speak to us and be with us. Comfort your people today with the resurrection of your son and our Lord Jesus Christ and in whose name we pray. Amen. And so brothers and sisters, for believers Uh, This resurrection text is a reality. It is is the basis of our life. It marks something for us as believers, our assurance of victory, not only then on that day, but now. And and so what we've done here, if you're a guest with us, um, we have put together the cross and the resurrection. Last week we talked about seven sayings that Jesus uttered from the cross. And we're still talking about that today, but we're putting the resurrection with that. So we're talking about both today and we're, we're drawing some application because if the resurrection didn't happen, the cross does not bring to us anything. As Pastor Micah has already told us, Paul reminds us that without that, nothing is true. And 
but it is true. And so the cross and the resurrection bring to us an eternal redemption that actually brings with this redemption victory, a, a victorious life. And you see, victory implies war. And so as I would challenge you as you think about the incarnation and the birth of Christ and the life and his death and the resurrection, what images come in your mind? Because if it's not a, a scene of war, you really don't have the right image. Uh, Matt Chandler was listening to a message from him the other day, and he was went to a conference, and he was speaking to a leader of the house church movement in Iran. And here's what this, this man who who could die any day in the work of ministry he's involved in, said about the Western church. He said, the Western church has been rocked to sleep by a satanic lullaby. And, and so today, if anything, what we have prayed is that the Lord may wake up the slumbering through this resurrection cry that he has risen. So on the cross, he secured a redemption through a real warfare there was a real war happening. I would challenge you this afternoon after you spend time with your family to open up the book of Revelations and turn to chapter 12 and read the war that, that has happened and that is happening between the birth of Christ and the return of Christ. Victory implies war. And so let us turn to the resurrection now. Let's look at a couple passages, and I hope you're familiar with them. Let's just remember this together, some Implications of the resurrection. Romans 1.4 says this, that Jesus was declared to be the Son of God in power according to the spirit of holiness by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord. And in other words, the resurrection declares something, that Jesus is the Son of God. Because he's alive, this is true. And so then turn with me just to, a few pages over in your Bible to, to Romans 4, we know this passage. Look what else he declares. Romans 4, verse 22. That, that is why that faith was counted to him as righteousness, but the words it was counted to him were, were not written for his sake alone, but for ours also. It will be counted to us who believe in him, who raised from the dead Jesus Christ our Lord, Verse 25, listen, who was delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our justification. So it was both the death of Christ and the resurrection of Christ that guarantees our forgiveness of our sins and our declaration that we are righteous in the sight of God. You see, so the greatest victory in your life is not, is not getting over a sickness or it, the greatest victory in our life is not that COVID would just go away. The greatest victory in our life is that our sins have been removed and we have been brought into a family. And so what we want today to do this morning is simply taste some of this victory. What will it taste like? And so turn with me to one more passage, 1 Peter 1.3, and I want this to sort of couch our time together. 1 Peter 1.3, you see, the resurrection brings us a living hope through a secure future. 1 Peter 1.3 says this, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to His great mercy, He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. 
We need to live today out of this living hope. That's our focus today. On the cross, he has guaranteed our redemption. And by the resurrection, he secures for us victorious truths. That's what we want to look at. So we want to bring the seven sayings and we want to pull some application points in this morning. Because Jesus is alive. He is God's son. He has guaranteed our forgiveness. And we, in fact, do have a family. You see, on the cross, we talked about this last week. There were two big picture things that was going on as he uttered these sayings. One was his selfless care for others, even while he was securing our redemption. The second, if you remember, was his absolute dependence on the Father. So at the resurrection, Jesus brings seven victorious truths to his blood-bought people. And these are ours. And so let's remember, as we go through both the cross and the resurrection, do you remember the first words that Jesus said on the cross? He looked out to those who were who put him on the cross, those who had betrayed him and those who were seeking and actually killing him and prayed for their forgiveness. Do you remember that? So because of the resurrection, I want you to see something this morning. Because of this forgiveness, we have peace. So Jesus' resurrection brings us today a peace-filled life. And so an application because of the resurrection, let's turn to Romans 12. Romans 12, verse 18. This is our life every day. If, verse 18 says this, If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourself, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is, it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by doing so, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Our lives as Christians today, because Jesus is alive, is one of forgiveness. We have received a great forgiveness, and this affects the way we live. We as Christians don't have open accounts. We don't get our pads out and write down things people do to us and try to get them back or wish bad things on them. We have been forgiven, and what we are seeing here, the implication, the application into our life is that if we can make peace with people, we do. The opposite side of the coin is forgiveness is reconciliation. Making peace involves reconciliation, and it, but you know and I know that oftentimes in our life, reconciliation is not possible and sometimes it's not even wanted. So what do we do? Well, we look at the text. We give them to God to do what is right and we live in peace. This is what it means. You see, if people can't ruin your eternal peace, why are you today allowing them to ruin your present peace? Peace has been purchased, but yet it's not easy in this life, but it's yours because Jesus is alive. We see forgiveness. Do you remember the next words that Jesus uttered? Or words of salvation. Do you remember on the cross there were two criminals. One taunted him, one repented and believed and was saved. So I want you to see something here. Um, Jesus' resurrection brings to us unending fellowship 
with our Lord. Do you remember what he told when the, when the criminal on the cross said, remember me when you come into your kingdom? What did Jesus say to him? He said, today you will be with me. Today. This is, this is true of us. The moment we believe, we come into not only peace. Peace is essential for fellowship, you see. We have peace and now we have fellowship. First John 1, 1 to 3. Look how he ties this whole picture of, of Christ in with fellowship. That which was, was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, and we have looked upon and touched with our hands concerning the word of life. The life was made manifest, and we have seen it and testifies to it that proclaiming to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and was made manifest to us, that which we have seen that and heard, we proclaim to you also. Listen, why does he proclaim it? So that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. You see that? He purchased this. Fellowship with each other and fellowship with the triune God. We have, brothers and sisters, eternal privileges and the chief eternal privilege we have is that of fellowship, is that of relationship, of that of communion with both the Lord and his people. You see, eternal life is not only a person, it is something that begins not when we die, but just like the criminal on the cross, it began the moment he put his faith in Christ. And so we see the application of the resurrection being first peace, then fellowship. But I love this part. This was my favorite part last week. Jesus' words on the cross expressed his tender care for his mother. Do you remember that? Jesus was securing our redemption. His body had already gone into shock. Parts of his body had begun to shut down as his body tried to send blood to the places to keep him alive. He was literally dying and suffering and in intense pain. And he looked out to his mother and he said, Mama, I'm going to get John to take care of you. John, from now on, you take care of my mother. Astounding. In the same way, in the same way, Jesus' resurrection brings us into a caring community called the church. It's what he purchased for us. You see, he didn't simply purchase your individual salvation. He purchased the church. Acts 20, 28 says it this way. Speaking to the elders of the church, he said, Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. So he cared. Jesus cared for his own family. And now he has redeemed us and he has given us a new heart to care for each other as he cared for his own mother. This comes from the heart. What does this look like? What does this look like? Well, Acts 4 tells us. Let me just read it to you. Now the full number of those believed were of one heart and soul. And no one said that any of the things belonged to him was his own. But they had all things in common. Verse 33. And with great power the apostles were given testimony, listen, to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And great grace was upon them all. There was not a needy person among them, for as many were owners of lands and houses, sold them and brought the proceeds of that that was sold. Do you see this? This is simple. It's not easy. 
This is clear. The natural application of the resurrection for their everyday life was to love and to care for each other. It was the natural application of understanding what Christ has done. In other words, if we don't get this this morning, we have missed the point. That this was part of the victory that God's people lived in was that He purchased not just our individual salvation, but a people to which we care for. You see, the truth is, if we go back to the cross, is Mary couldn't do it on her own. That's why He told John to take care of her. And listen, neither can you. The good news is you don't have to. For he died and rose again to bring us into a family. The resurrection brings us things. A peace-filled life in fellowship with our living Lord and his blood-bought church. So this living hope smells like something to us. It smells like selfless care. Did you see it? hope you've seen it on the cross. We see it. We should see it in our lives because of the resurrection and the church itself. But he wasn't done then, was he? He kept talking. And so we see absolute dependence. What did he say next? Do you remember on the cross? He said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? This is probably, at least to me, the most profound. You see, Jesus was forsaken so that we will never be. Jesus' resurrection guarantees we will not be abandoned. We will never be um, forsaken. Why? Because we were redeemed in order to be adopted. Now, this is not my opinion. Let me just read to you Galatians 4. Galatians 4, verse 4. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born under the law. Listen, verse 5. To redeem those who were under the law. Why? So that we might receive adoption as sons And because you are sons, God has sent His Spirit of His Son into our own hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Verse 7, listen, this is true of you and of me today because of the resurrection. You are no longer slaves, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. This is what the resurrection guarantees. You see, you like me sometimes wonder if one day the Lord's just going to say, All right, Stephen, I'm sick of it. I'm done with you. You've just, it's the same thing over and over again. Haven't you learned this yet? You know, why don't you just call me when you get this figured out? And he walks out the door. This is the guarantee that I have been given two things because of the resurrection a declaration of righteousness by a sovereign living Lord and a decree of eternal adoption. I have both. Both of those are ours because Jesus is alive. Psalms 27.10 says it this way, For my father and my mother have forsaken me, but the Lord has taken me in. And whom the Lord takes in, he will never cast out. The resurrection brings us peace, a fellowship, a family of kingdom children. Do you remember what happened next on the cross? Jesus said, I'm thirsty. He was in intense pain as his, as his body was suffering. And if you remember, if you remember the story, though he wanted in physical pain and in need of something, all he got was scoffed at. He went through all, all of that. Jesus' resurrection provides us unending grace. 
If you're taking notes, you can even say new grace, better grace. I want you to see that. John 1.16 says this. For from the fullness we have all received grace upon grace. Now if you read the text around it, this is really better said it this way. If you, if you have your notes in front of you, you see that. Grace instead of grace. Matter of fact, if you read the context, it's perfectly clear. You see, the law was grace, but the law couldn't save. The author of Hebrews said it this way, that, that we, are, we are inherited, we get better promises. It's based on better things. We get new and better grace because Jesus lived a life we could not live. He died in our place and He rose again so that we may have now unending grace, new grace, better grace. Think about the cross and the resurrection in your minds. Let me read this as you think about it. Lamentations 3, 22. How much more true is this because Jesus is alive? The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercy never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in Him. All this is ours because Jesus lives. The resurrection brings actual victory, victory of peace, the grace of Christ and His eternal family, the promise to be loved steadfastly and to never be cast out. Jesus' words accomplished something. And, and yet, as good as all this is, He wasn't done. Remember, what did He say next? He said, it is finished we talked about that last week. What was finished? Our atonement was finished. So Jesus has saved you. Jesus is saving you. And Jesus will save you. I just want to see one thing here. Jesus' resurrection promises us present transformation. He promises to take you right where you are, but he will not leave you there. Let me read something to you. 2 Corinthians three, seventeen says this. Now the Lord is the Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Verse 18, And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Because Jesus is alive, He promises that He will begin what He will finish what He began in your life. He will not leave you. He will transform us. He is transforming us into the very image of His Son. It even helps us understand why the hard today. And yet there's even more, as we learned last week. There's a war going on. There's a Satan being defeated. Romans 16.20 says it this way, the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. <laughs> That's a quite a promise, isn't it? So, of all we can say, listen to this morning, the resurrection teaches us something. It teaches me to make peace with others, but never to make peace with my sin. It is part of the war still going on, and yet, here's the promise. There is a day coming and we experience that every day when we have victory over sin. The promises of Genesis 3 are coming fulfillment as the head of Satan was defeated, was crushed on the cross, guaranteed to us, full and final, at the return of Christ. And we are experiencing that now. Every time we become more and more like our Lord. And having done all of that, do you remember what he finally said? He said, into your hands I commit my spirit 
So what can we draw from that today as we close? Jesus' resurrection brings to us daily, right now, contentment in Christ's abundance. Hebrews 13, verse 5 says it this way. Keep your life free from the love of money. Be content with what you have. Listen to what he says. For he has said, I will never leave you or forsake you. What is the abundance we have? It's, it's Christ. He is enough. You see, that's what we've got to wrestle with today. You find too much dependence in other people. You will not be content because content people understand that I have Christ and he is enough. The Lord's resurrection brings us things now. I hope you've seen that today. There's sort of a common theme this morning. A right now victory, a right now relationships, right now promises, right now peace, right now mercy, right now grace, right now victory over sin, right now eternal assurance, and a right now family. Right now, we are not today what we will be tomorrow because of Christ Jesus is alive. And this we know, no matter what, we will always be his. So this resurrection theme, the Lord promises us today that he will not leave us or forsake us. So as Christ finished his work and he leaned back into the arms of his father, so can we not only on that day when we breathe our last, lean back into the arms of our father, but every day at the end of our day, we can do what God has told us to do and we can go to bed and rest that the work we did today is enough and then morning, new grace, new mercies for that which he has called us to do. He is alive. So let us rest in the work that is finished by him. Let us rest this morning in the person who is alive. Let us rest in the one who for our sake became sin, who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. He is risen. He is risen indeed. Pray with me. Lord, we thank you for this time together. And so now, Lord, as we end this time of worship, many of us are going to experience all kinds of grace that we do not deserve. And so we thank you ahead of time for what we are about to experience. This wonderful grace of family and friends and and food, and fellowship, and all these things you died to make true. We thank you this morning that you have gathered us together as your people to remember that because he lives, we have Christ forever, and we have his blood-bought people. That is enough. And so, Lord, will you be worshipped and honored now as we live out this living hope for the glory of of your name, and in our sons, our risen Lord, our eternal brother's name, Jesus, who is the Christ, we pray. Amen.